This is the Bates Bobcast, our weekly podcast where we take a look at the week that was in Bates Athletics. My name is Aaron Morse, and this week we are celebrating this year's virtual reunion with a special trip down memory lane with Bobcats from years past. We'll hear from Bobcat alumni who graduated as recently as 2016 and as far back as 1976 as we reflect on their times at Bates. That's coming up on the reunion episode of the Bates Bobcast. We'll start this reunion episode of the Bobcast with the class of 2016, and we are joined by Bates squash great Ahmed Abdelkalik, who won two individual national championships during his time as a Bobcat. Abdel Kalik finished his career on a 66-match winning streak with an overall record of 89-2. It was fun to catch up with Ahmed, who has returned to the sport he loves to help teach the next generation. Ahmed, I can't believe it's been five years since you graduated from Bates, but tell the people what you've been up to since you graduated. Hi, Aaron. Uh, it's very good to see you. After I graduated, I, uh, I worked in private equity for a year and a half, and then I made the transition to investment banking. And then I decided that the desk job isn't for me anymore. So that's why I started the coaching squash full-time. So that's where I am today. So you're coaching squash full-time in Egypt? Yes. Awesome. What's that experience been like so far? Well, it's been very, very rewarding. I, I never thought I'd be a good coach because I, I didn't want to work at squash anymore after I finished at Bates. But uh, I'm happy I, uh, I started coaching again. It's been amazing and it's been rewarding and I've been working with uh, very successful juniors and uh, professional squash players too. We often talked about how the coaches you had growing up were so impactful for you and it seems like you're trying to pay that forward. But tell me a little bit more about, you know, what that means to you to, to be a coach now after having such great experiences with coaches growing up, right? Yeah, well, I've been coached by the best coaches in the world, uh, like Shamil Abtar, Hashim Samir, Mohammed Ismail. Those coaches have uh, helped me so much and helped my game help me improve as a person too. Uh, so that's what I'm trying to do with my players now. You going to send any of those players to Bates? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, unfortunately, they all want to be professional players. No one wants to go to the U.S. for education. Oh, I don't know why. I've been trying to convince them to do so, but they only want to play squash. Interesting, interesting. Well, let, yeah. let's take us back to your junior and senior years at Bates, those two national championships you won. What really stands out about those years that you remember, you know, you know, five years later here? All the emotions. When I, when I, get, when I, when I think back at it, it's, it's, I wish I could come back to one of those days. I'd pay all the money I have to get back to one of those days. Junior and senior year of college, I'm not even talking only about squash. I'm talking about my friends, commons, the, the classes, the professors. I wish I could get back. I wish, but, you know, you cannot get time back. Well, I remember when you won your 50th straight match, you, all your friends were there, right, at the glass court? Yes, all, all my friends were there. And, af and after I got back to campus, uh, they, threw they threw me a huge surprise party and all the juniors and seniors were there. It was amazing. I mean, you mentioned some of the things that you, you enjoyed most about Bates, but what were maybe some specific moments that stand out to you just during your time there that uh, you remember today, I guess? First thing that comes to mind is the big 5-0. Mm -hmm. The one... Uh, it was against St. Lawrence, and I played uh, my former teammate, Mustafa Bayoumi. And that was uh, a huge win to me. And uh, yeah, and I achieved the uh, 50th win in a row. So that, that was a big one. And of course, uh, 
the two national titles. Uh, I, I didn't believe that I won that, uh, that second one because I wasn't prepared for it at all. I was sick two weeks before. So, uh, yeah, these are like three of the big moments I had. And of course, uh, a big one too was when I was rewarded the uh, male athlete of the year, senior year. And it was huge because my dad was right there to see it. Yeah, tell me a little bit more about, you know, relationship with your dad. I know that that's big for you, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's been amazing. It's been amazing. And we've been enjoying each other's uh, companionship uh, ever since I got back. And I was so happy that he came and saw me and saw what I did for Bates at squash. So because he didn't really know what was going on. So I, I was very happy for him to to come and see me. Now, sometimes, you know, you think, you know, two national championships, everything must have been fairly easy. But I know there were some big challenges along the way for you, right? Well, how do you kind of overcome some of the challenges maybe you faced at Bates as well? I had so many people uh, by my side and they, they helped me so much with any obstacles I, uh, I encountered over the years. Like Mr. Cannon, Mr. Marty Cannon Sr., uh, Mr. Avery Burke, uh, Mr. Jeff Mitchell, and of course, of course, uh, Dean Rees and uh, Coach Kosker. I, I had a lot of troubles and uh, a lot of obstacles, and they were right by my side to help me along each and every hardship I passed through. Excellent. And then from a competitive standpoint, I know Ahmed Hatata was big to have someone on court with you who could kind of match you stroke by stroke. Yeah. Right? What was that like uh, competing against him in practice and everything? It was amazing. He was the, my primary training partner. I had so much with him on court and even off court too. Uh, he's like my little brother. And I actually saw him like uh, two months ago. Oh, but nice. We haven't been in contact ever since. But actually, I'm going to contact him soon. <laughs> tomorrow. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah. And then, um, you know, you mentioned you took a few years. I, I don't know. Did you try to play professionally at all in squash? Or did you go right into just full-time working after you graduated? No, I actually didn't. Okay. I didn't. I, I, di I didn't want to. I felt like I was kind of burnt out. And I, I didn't even want to try. But actually now I kind of regret that decision. I should have done it at least for like two years and see how it goes for me. But, you know, it's okay. No regrets. It's okay. Well, the time away from squash, it sounds like uh, renewed your passion for the sport a little bit too, right? Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Of course. And I actually learned so much as a coach too. Like I, I got to know and I got to learn a lot uh, from being a coach. Some stuff that I didn't even know as a player that now would help me compete better, you know? Right, right, for sure. I mean, can't, I can't believe it's been five years. I mean, does it seem I like can't, I years? can't, I, I honestly can't believe it either. It's, it's <laughs> unreal. It's time flies. Time flies. Certainly. Well, any other thoughts you want to share about your time at Bates here uh, for the podcast uh, before we sign off? I just got to give one advice to all the, the freshmen and, and people who haven't even declared their majors. Mm. Do what makes you happy. Do not do what shows prestige. If you want to uh, major in music, Major in music. Don't major in some prestigious uh, subject just to show prestige, just to be prestigious and say I majored in economics because that's the mistake I made. I hated economics and I hated investment banking and I hated private equity. It wasn't the right stuff for me, but I did it because, well, most of my family are economists and they work in the field and I was like, okay, I'm going to be one of them. And it wasn't the right way to go. Maybe if I had majored in, in, in something that I'm really passionate about, maybe... Uh, my path would have been different now. No one should fall into, or no one should make this huge mistake. Mm. Enjoy your time in college and don't study 24 seven. The Bates people are amazing and you just gotta enjoy their company too.
Ahmed Abdel Khalik, two-time national champion in men's squash while at Bates, now squash coach uh, there in, in Egypt. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. Really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Aaron. It's very good to see you, man. As we travel back through the years, we head to 2011 when three-time women's rowing All-American Rebecca Waldo graduated from Bates. Waldo was part of a group that took Bates from a still-developing program into the stratosphere of Division Three, helping the Bobcats finish second in the country three straight years. The team got second in the country in 2009. Little did we know it would be the start of a, a run of seconds in the country, battling Williams each and every year at NCAAs. Tell me about that experience going up against Williams every year. Those purple shirts. So <laughs> rowing has this tradition of trading shirts at races. And so I have a number of like Bowden rowing and Colby rowing t-shirts, but those purple William shirts were such a coveted item and never actually, never actually got one. That's okay. Um, so yeah, there was a, a strange feeling where, you know, we, we came in second three years in a row. The first time it happened, it was, you know, the best the program had ever done. So that was really exciting. But then year after year is like, are we on this plateau? But at the same time, a bunch of other division three NESCAC programs were also getting faster and uh, just overall the whole field was speeding up. So we had to continue to maintain that speed to, to be on that plateau while Williams was still kind of on that peak. Um, But it was, it was an exciting time to be in D3 rowing, like Trinity, Wellesley, William Smith, everybody was um, keeping things competitive out on the water and, and races exciting. Um, so yeah, it was, it was disappointing to never, um, really, like I said, get the purple shirt or, uh, get in first place, but it was really, really exciting in 2015 and years, years following to just watch the team continue to creep up and then eventually, um, win, win national championships and, and now be that powerhouse sometimes, uh, it comes up in conversation, not that frequently, but now that I'm back in Vermont and I uh, am back in kind of a NESCAC world, I'll chat with people in small talk and mention Bates rowing. And if they have friends who also row, they'll be like, oh man, <laughs> that powerhouse. So it's, it's cool if the women at Bates have like achieved that <laughs> sort of pinnacle of excellence in, in the programs. Certainly. And then take us back. Uh, any, any stories or funny, maybe interesting stories of your time with Bates rowing? Rowing on the Androscoggin was always amazing. The sunrises and sunsets were great. The fall colors. Um, it was interesting in the spring, having to wait for the ice to go out. We have really cold winters. And, you know, there are some times where we would, we would go to our first race having not been on the water yet. I think when you went to the San Diego crew classic and we had only been training in the erg room and like our first time in the boat was at that race um, because the, because the river was so frozen. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, the, all the teammates were amazing surrounding years, my class year, um, the, the people that I rode with uh, were all really awesome individuals and everybody had, you know, different things going on, um, different, different passions, but we all got to spend time together in the boat. So Nora was a coxswain, another one of the captains, my year, Ellen Patterson. So it's like wonderful um, team builder and just like so thoughtful and kind and um, had great music playlists. <laughs> um, Hannah, Hannah Richardson, um, Phoebe Reed, Emma White, all really awesome women who are 
I've I've kind of fallen out of touch with a lot of them, but I know that they're doing really amazing things. So it's it's cool to have been able to um yeah, kind of grow up with them in a way. Well, and one of the other women you overlapped with, uh, Nicole Ritchie, uh, a couple of years older than you, but she obviously has competed on the international stage. I mean, what was she like as a rower? Oh my gosh, Nicole. <laughs> Nicole is amazing. Um, she actually lives in Vermont now too. I yeah, saw her a couple, a couple of years ago. Um, uh, she is just so strong and she's an amazing rower. She's also a Nordic skier. Um, so just like super fit kind of out of this world. Um, and she was just such a, such a kind and hardworking, um, (laughs) human being, but she also had like this amazing sense of humor and, um, the kindest smile. So yeah, having her on the team was definitely, um, something that motivated us all to, uh, work a little bit harder and try and, and do a little bit of what she did. And so, yeah, she's done really awesome things for the sport of rowing since graduating, whether it was coaching or competing internationally. Um, and I know, yeah, Elizabeth Sunshine was the year mm-hmm. behind That's my right. class year and she's competed at a really high level since then. Um, so yeah, getting to row with, with those people um, was really awesome. When you graduated, you keep at rowing or have you not rowed for quite a while now? Uh, the last time I rode was actually at a friend's wedding. She okay. and her partner were, uh, are both rowing coaches. And so they had a little, uh, <laughs> activity at a boathouse, which was really fun. Um, I coached for a couple of years mm-hmm. after graduating. I went and coached at the high school that I went to. Uh, and then I did a master's in exercise and sports science program at Smith. Um, and, uh, this as a testament to how great of a coach um, Coach Seenstra is, I never realized how exactly how challenging coaching is and like uh-huh. how much how much he and his coaching staff were doing behind the scenes to make everything happen. I just thought I was like, oh, they just kind of drive around in in their coaching launches and look at wildlife. But that was because he um, he and the other assistant coaches did so much work behind the scenes to to make things happen and working with the coxswains and like I said, empowering the coxswains to really take charge and have all these plans. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I liked coaching a lot, but I, I don't think I had that, um, same sense of what all went into it. And I also, (laughs) um, you know, it's, it's pretty exhausting. And I think for me, when I was an athlete, I was like, oh gosh, I can't wait till the day that I could just drive around in a launch and not do anything. But then when I was actually doing it, I was like, oh man, like I miss moving because I'd be tired from coaching a couple of practices and uh, wouldn't actually get to do my own physical activity. So that was a little bit hard for me. So it gave me even more respect and admiration for all the coaches who, who do um, make it happen and are able to devote all this time to their athletes and then maintain their own sanity as well. What are your thoughts when you look at, you know, all the national titles they've won since then you touched on this earlier, but I mean, it's, it's gotta be great to see as an alum, right? It is really awesome. So I coached at Smith for the 2014 and 2015 seasons. And so it was awesome to be at races where Bates was there and just like see the team and the program and how just kind of dialed in 
and exceptional. They were just like so focused and their um, camaraderie and support um, for each other off the water and on the water um, and just like how, how well they were rowing. And um, the team culture, I think is obviously working. Like results on the water are important and exciting. And those trophies are, are cool and fun, but like the real prize or whatever, the thing that you strive for is um, the character that you build off the water, um, the spirit of teamwork and grit and patience and perseverance. And like, I think as a recruit, when I was in high school, like that was kind of what I was looking for. And maybe as an athlete, I like lost sight of it a little bit and was a little more, you know, like I was saying, ego driven than I should have been, especially in a, in this team sport. But um, yeah, it's just amazing to see uh, and hear from current athletes when they, when they send emails out to alumni, how supportive and yeah, just like excited and passionate they are about the sport and then about uh, their teammates and each other. And um, yeah, there are a lot of like I don't know, this is, this is pretty sappy, but like a lot of really important life lessons that you can learn through spending time going backwards in a boat, sitting down. Um, and it's, it's cool to see that not only the coaches um, and coxswains teaching that, but like the rowers all um, experiencing that together. It's, it's just great to see. Great. And then the alums, I'm sure would like to know, um, what are you up to nowadays? Oh yeah. So I live in Vermont now. I've bounce around. I can't believe it's been 10 years, but I guess it has. So bounce around doing a bunch of different things, um, mostly working in kind of outdoors oriented jobs. I worked for the Appalachian Mountain Club in New Hampshire for a while and then um, went out west and lived in Montana, worked for Montana Conservation Corps and the National Park Service in Yellowstone for a little while. Um, so I've been really lucky to, to do all these things. Um, and I guess I'm not really on a career path so much as an experience path, which is kind of a privilege, but um, yeah, now, now I'm in Vermont and I've been working at, at a ski resort as a at Stowe Mountain Resort as a ski patroller um, and kind of putting the experience I've had previously, um, both at Bates and since then, um, to work as, as a troll supervisor and working closely in a kind of tight-knit team there. Um, and I also volunteer with a local ambulance. Um, yeah, on, so I'm an EMT and have been busy a lot during the pandemic with a lot of like, um, fortunately Vermont has, didn't get hit so hard uh, with cases, but there's been a lot of initiatives, whether COVID testing or EMS vaccine rollout that's been keeping us busy. You know, thoughts you want to share about your time at Bates we haven't gotten to talk about? But yeah, it's a great place to be, great place to make a bunch of mistakes and learn from them, but also, you know, be supported by um, wonderful teammates and, and coaches and, uh, and the community as a whole. Um, and it's, it's really cool to see where, you know, the next generations, I guess not generations, but yeah, the, <laughs> the next students have, have taken it and just how um, proud everybody is to be a Bobcat. You know, our whole slogan, BWP, Bobcats with pride. <laughs> it's, a, it's 
it's nice to see that carrying on and um, I feel really lucky to have been able to be a small part of it. Becca Waldo, thank you so much for joining us on this special reunion episode of the Bates Bobcast. Thanks again. Thanks for having me, Aaron. Have a good day. We return to the squash courts and stay with the class of 2011 for our next guest. Pat Williams played four years of varsity squash at Bates, rising to team captain as a senior. He is now the executive director of Squash Drive in Oakland, California, a nonprofit organization working to grow the sport that operates around three central pillars, academics, squash, and character development. Pat, before we get into your current role with Squash Drive there in California, let's talk about your time as a Bobcat, maybe even before that. How did you first get into the sport of squash? I started uh, playing squash back in Boston uh, in sixth grade by way of a program called Squash Busters, um, which was which started in 96. So um, probably a, maybe three, four years before I actually jumped in the program, con- continued with that program from uh, middle school throughout high school and uh Got lucky enough to go to Bates uh, to continue to play. What made you love the sport? Uh, number one, uh, it didn't have, you know, height restrictions. Um, I was not going to lie. I was a pretty short kid. And, um, you know, making basketball team and football teams were, were, were challenging when you didn't have the size. So uh, squash was something that, you know, you didn't have to worry about size. And and um, it, it kind of came natural, to be honest. It felt like something that uh, I was meant to do. Um, it was fun. I enjoyed it. I was good at it. And uh, I stuck with it. Well, tell me about how Bates first got on your radar for college. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Bates got on my radar for college. Uh, my high school squash coach, Isa Shaw, who actually went to Bates as well um, and, and was an All-American on the team there. That, that was the school she went to. And she, you know, so I always talked about how great it was. And we, we took a trip up there my senior year and, uh, I had forgotten I wasn't actually a student, so it, it was a great, great, great experience. And then tell me a little about your time on the squash team. Uh, obviously, the head coach then was Pat Cosker and your, your experience playing for Pat and for the Bobcats. My team was just great. I think we had a really great team. And by senior year, we, we had the most diverse uh, uh, college squash team uh, out of all schools. I can almost guarantee that. Um, so a great experience. Pat, Pat, as a, as a Bates alumni as well, you know, it was great that he was there. Definitely, um, you know, we could relate and talk about, you know, different challenges and struggles at Bates and successes. So it was nice to have a uh, nice to have a uh, great coach and then some great teammates. And you mentioned the diversity on the squash program. I mean, I know uh, still, even today, obviously players from all around the world and everything. So what was that experience like from your perspective? Yeah, you know, I mean, just an awesome experience. You know, if we talk about freshman and, and, and sophomore year, I was definitely one of the only kids of, of color on the team. And by junior, senior year, I mean, half of the team, you know, was was, was a different race. So it's it's wonderful to see it. You know, you, that's that's called that's growth. You know, you see growth and you see some change. So it was nice to see um, the diversity of the sport itself. You know, squash is typically, a, a you know, a more richer white man sport. And so to see sport you know just kind of uh diversifies it's awesome it's a great sport everyone wants to be able to play the sport no matter the amount of money or you know location you live in yeah and you you touched on that i mean squash's reputation if you will if you mentioned someone on the street about squash i was like oh those are rich kids from connecticut typically right i mean so but you're working to break that mold right I mean, tell me a little bit about your current role with squash drive yeah, exactly. Yep. So, so um, here at Squash Drive in, in Oakland, California, uh, this program has been running for about 11 years now. Um, you know, very similar program to Squash Buses in Boston. In fact, it's 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 a replica, right? Um, you know, programs the same. We focus on three core areas. We focus on uh, education, right? 
bridging the gap between education, right? Getting our high schools into college and even helping our middle school kids get into private high schools. Um, you know, in addition to that, we focus on character development, you know, really making sure that our kids are actual, you know, they're good people, right? And they have morals and values. And, and then obviously the biggest piece, right? Or not the biggest piece, but but the funnest piece to me is uh, you know, the squash side, right? We're helping our kids stay in shape and, and have great health and wellness and, and, and they're making great connections and they're having fun competing. Their self-confidence is building, you know, they're, they're getting life skills from, uh, from, from teamwork and it, it, it's everything, man. It, it, it's squash drive is a phenomenal program. I think squash and education as a whole is, is a, it's a really big movement these days. And, you know, squash drive just reminds me of my experience, you know, when I was back in squash busters and, and, you know, the chance to have a full circle to give back to, to kids that remind me very much of myself uh, 20, 20 so years ago. Well, and you started Squash Drive as executive director, at least uh, at the end of 2020, kind of. So right in the middle of uh, this pandemic, we're still kind of dealing with here. What's that experience been like? How have you been dealing with that? Yeah, it's, it's you know, it's definitely been an interesting experience. Um, you know, uh, being on board in the midst of the pandemic, I can say it has its ups and downs. And, you know, I think the the, the downside was uh, everything was virtual and that that. <laughs> That was new to me, uh, as it was new to most people. Um, something definitely to get used to. But on the other side, it gave a chance to slow things down, right? It was like trying to jump on a moving train going full speed. But in this case, because of the pandemic, it was a chance to get my feet under me, right? And not have to worry about too much. I got to slow things down and just really take, you know, take my time getting adjusted to the role. Um, yeah, so I mean, it, look, it's been a great experience. The support has been phenomenal. My board members are supportive, my staff, my, the kids, my families. Um, you know, my own family uh, and, and you know, my, my uh, friends and different supporters, you know, just the support has been phenomenal. And when you're introducing a kid to squash for the first time, I mean, do you remember the first time for you, I like, pick up a racket, you kind of go back and think about that a little bit? Yeah, you know, the, the first time I, I, I held a squash racket, we were in the uh, in our middle school basketball gym, hitting a squash ball against a brick wall. And it was like, I've, you know, I've never seen squash a day in my life, to be honest with you. I never, I never even really saw tennis. Um, so, so to see squash and try it, it was like, oh, this is different. It, you know, it really just felt natural. Uh, but yeah, a fun experience. And it was something when we were done, all I wanted to do was get on, you know, get on an actual court, you know. So when we get kids that kind of have that, uh, I know it's like, an, it's like a hunger and excitement, you know, they, it, it's like candy to them, you know, they play it and if they love it, they, you know, they're like, oh, I want to come back and play tomorrow, right? And, and that's that excitement that it's like, yeah, I remember that feeling. Yeah. Excellent. Well, back to Bates for a moment. Memorable teammates, memorable matches you still recall, you know, 10 years going on here now? Memorable teammates. Yeah, I, you know, I've got quite a few. Um, I could, you know, I could run a couple of names, you know, Kus Mahan, Jordan Greenberg, Mark, uh, Mark Taggart, uh, Son Wilkinson, Ricky Weiss. You know, I, look, I could name players all day long, you know, Matt Marchisoto, Will Katz, RJ Keating. Like, like, honestly, I probably had the best group of guys on, on, on my, on my Bates team. Um, you know, not, not that the girls won. I just, you know, I spent more time with the guys, obviously, but phenomenal teammates, man. These guys are, these guys are great. And we're still friends to the day. So it's pretty awesome. Yeah. Well, you mentioned Ricky Weisskopf, all American, right. For the Bobcats. Yeah. Yeah. Look, when you, when you, when you had a guy like Ricky on your team, you look, you look up to both Ricky and Son as the two, as the two captains and best players on the team and know like, Hey, it's, it's inspirational. You know, it's inspirational to watch, to watch that level of skill and, you know, it makes you hungry, man. It makes you hungry to try to get there. You know, we didn't all get there, but uh, we enjoyed watching watching him do it, though. I, mean, I guess any other thoughts you want to share about your time at Bates we haven't got to talk about yet? 
yeah, you know, you know, my time at Bates was, um, you know, it was great. I enjoyed the experience when the four years were done. You know, I remember not wanting it to end. Um, but I, but I can say a lot of that was to the fact that I watched Bates transform and change in that four years, right? And even to the day, it's a much different school. Um, so I've watched, you know, I've definitely watched Bates come a long way. You know, I, I, I enjoyed most of my time at Bates and don't have a ton of complaints outside of the fact that, hey, man, it was cold, right? But, uh, <laughs> you know, cold walking across the campus, the quad and all that. But, um, I mean, a phenomenal school. I, I met lifelong friends from there and um, it was the place I was supposed to be at. And now you're in California, so it's pl- it's pretty sunny there, I imagine. So yeah, Look, I, look, I, all I did was went from L.A., out there in, in Maine to LA here in, in Cali and then found my way out to Oakland, right? So, <laughs> so you know, that, that says a lot. I, I moved from the snow and went, went for the sun a little bit. All right. Well, Pat Williams, thanks so much for joining us on the reunion episode of the Bobcast. Really proud of all the great work you're doing there at Squash Drive. And thanks again. Absolutely. Go Bobcats. We move now to the class of 1991, a group that's celebrating their 30th reunion this year. To chat with Julie Roach Simplicio, who was a star on the volleyball and basketball court for Bates. The Bates volleyball team won two ECAC titles during Roach Simplicio's time at Bates, including undefeated 36-0 season in 1989. In basketball, she ranks 13th all-time for the Bates women with 1,110 career points and was an All-America honorable mention in 1991. Julie, I'll ask you what I ask all my guests uh, who are Bobcats. How did you first decide you wanted to come to Bates for college? Well, I knew I really wanted a small college, um, strong with the academics and the fact that I could also have the opportunity to play sports at a high level in the NESCAC um, and, and play two sports. You know, I really love both of them. Um, so to combine the strong academics with the excellence in athletics, I mean, it was just the perfect fit for me. And uh, growing up, how did you first get involved with volleyball and basketball? Right. So actually, volleyball, um, I, I didn't start till freshman year in high school. Um, and it actually was, <laughs> I was a weather wimp. It, it was raining the day of the tryouts for field hockey and soccer. And I said, I'll, I'll go inside to the gym. And um, I started playing and I said, oh, this is a sport for me. Um, so I, that's when that started. Basketball, I started as a kid. So um, I had played basketball all the way from being a young kid all the way up. Um, so the, both sports I loved. And so the fact that I could go to Bates and play both of them was huge. And to be able to play for Marsha Graff um, was super special. Excellent. And then obviously, yeah, you touched on Marcia Grassel. We'll, we'll go to her. She was your coach for both sports, right? I mean, what, what made her such a special coach in your mind? I mean, she just instilled in us a never quit attitude. I mean, she was um, phenomenal and she um, was so humble. I mean, she really, all the accolades she piled up as, as a coach uh, there and at Bates for so many years. Um, she stayed so humble and she was just supportive of us and never give up. And um, just that strong work ethic. Uh, you can do it. Yeah. Great. And then in basketball, your senior year, you were an honorable mention All-America, the first one ever in the history of the women's basketball program. Uh, do you remember hearing about that honor? Do you remember uh, anything about that? Um, I don't really remember thinking towards that. I remember being close to like the all-time scorer um, list. Um, So Coach Graff would be talking about that quite a bit. Um, 
But yeah, it really was special to play with Adrian and, and Amy Schrag, the three of us. And the fact that all three of us hit that thousand point mark our senior year um, was very special. Yeah, I'm looking at the all-time scores. I guess at, at, when you were in school, you, were, you would have been going for, it looks like that might have been Lisa Kelly's record at that point. Do you remember exactly, that? Exactly, <laughs> at that point in time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just, I mean, just in, I think Lisa had called in. I, I mean, at Bates, everyone is just so supportive and uh, we're rooting for each other to, to you know, hit those milestones for, for certain. Excellent. And did memorable games for you, whether it be volleyball or basketball, what are some ones that stand out? Okay, for sure. Um, the volleyball junior year, 36 and 0. I mean, that was unbelievable um, to win the ECACs at home in a packed alumni gym. Um, that, that, that hands down was probably the best moment for volleyball. Basketball, I remember um, being at Colby. And so the CBB rivalry was, uh, I mean, it, it still is today so special, but um, I remember being up at Colby and, um, a, you know, a tight game and we took the victory and um, just really fun memories of playing at Bates. And then you mentioned your classmate, Adrian Scheibel, was there briefly. Uh, she, of course, recently got that head coaching job, I believe, at Dartmouth, right? Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. Isn't that fantastic? <laughs> so we're, we're all rooting for her. Um, I think uh, it'll be easier to root for Dartmouth than it was Bowden. She's right. been at Bowden <laughs> for a while. <laughs> but I wish her much success, and they're, happy to, they're lucky to get her. Now, your sons have all come to Bates too, right? So what's that been like to, to be a Bates parent for, I believe, three sons here? Is that Three right? sons. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Um, so special to see them out on Garcelon Field. Uh, Philip just graduated 2020, and then we have Timothy is a junior, and uh, Peter is a first year. Um, so it is a thrill to see them in the garnet uh, dressed up playing football. Now, how did that work from your perspective as a household? We're like... Bates, you got to go to Bates. Were they, kind of, were they more independent with that, perhaps? I don't know. <laughs> you know, um, by the third, Philip, we, uh, Peter, we stopped um, wearing Bates gear. We were so afraid that, oh, boy, we're really pushing this. Um, and, and he really uh, looked at all the other NESCAC, and he said, you know, Bates is going to be a good fit. That's where I want to go. Yep. 30 year reunion for you. I mean, you're a proud alum. What makes you such a proud alum of the program even 30 years later? Just uh, what Bates has been able to do and keep that um, experience for these student athletes, the strong academics, the strong athletics, the phenomenal professors, coaches. I mean, it really is the people at Bates um, that it's, it's really a special place. Um, hard to believe it's 30 years ago. Um, we're having fun planning our reunion coming up. It'll be virtual, but um, but we'll still connect with classmates. Excellent. And then, you know, what have you seen biggest changes like kind of on campus over the years coming back? The new dorms, the new buildings. I mean, the architecture, I mean, real, oh, just amazing. Even, I mean, the um, right along Garcelon Field there, the, the village, the dorms there, the, the new science center that is that is almost done. I mean, it really... You know, I thought it was the greatest when I was there. It keeps getting better. Excellent. And then when you were a student athlete, um, obviously in season two out of the three seasons, uh, you know, uh, fall and winter, how do you kind of balance the athletics commitment with the academics? Because the academics are obviously very rigorous. 
Absolutely. Well, I think playing a sport kind of forces you to manage your time. You really know, okay, you're going to be at practice certain times of the day, like, okay, get in the library. And um, I think it kind of helps the student athlete just kind of motivate you to really manage your time while you're there. Excellent. Um, well, any other thoughts you want to share about your time at Bates we haven't gotten to talk about in terms of, uh, you know, when you look back on it, some of your best memories? Absolutely. The experience being a student athlete at a school like Bates is um, top notch. I mean, it is really so special. The fact that you can continue playing the sports that you love at a high level, um, at such a great academic place, um, it, it's it's unbelievable. And the, the experience, the leadership skills you gain from it, the teamwork, working together for a common goal, um, those are all life skills that you're going to take with you as you kind of venture out into the world. Um, but really, some of the most special memories I have are playing sports at Bates and the friendships I made along the way with my teammates. Awesome. Before I go, any Marsha Graf stories in particular you want to share? She was the best. I mean, she was so patient with us. Um, she pushed us to, to work as hard as we could. And we did. We wanted to, to, to excel. Just as you want to excel in the classroom, you want to excel out on that court, that field, that pool, wherever you are um, competing. Um, you know, super competitive. Um, but she was a joy. She was a love. And um, we miss her. Um, very much, um, but her, our days playing for her um, were incredible. Awesome. Julie Rochester, Blitzhill, class of 91. Thank you so much for joining us on the Bobcast reunion edition. Thanks again. Thank you, Aaron. Heading back to the 1970s, Jeff Helm from the class of 1976 did not technically play a varsity sport at Bates, but he is one of the founding fathers of Bates men's lacrosse, helping start a club team in 1975. The program eventually became a varsity sport two years after Helm graduated. I grew up in Needham uh, and played lacrosse in Needham High School, as did my wife. When I went up to Bates, sort of was feeling badly that there wasn't any kind of program because uh, they were the initial um, offerings for the, the varsity sports, but uh, for lacrosse, that wasn't so much. So Mike Cloutman, who was class of 77, and I sort of started chatting it up, and uh, we put together sort of a proposal to the administration, and uh, that was right when Title IX was coming online. So they said, you know what, um, you're on your own kind of thing. So we went to some of the local um, business uh, downtown Lewiston and Auburn, and they supported us. We did some funding through some socially unacceptable mechanisms right now through cake parties, but we didn't have an option. Uh, and I think uh, one of the fun things is we still hold the record for the number of kegs that ran. Times have changed. So um, when the program first started, um, how did you get, um, was there a lot of interest for people to play? Uh, it was pretty difficult. Um, we, there were a lot of uh, kids that played in Connecticut and New York uh, and some of the, uh, the Boston suburbs. So we also started throwing it around. That was back when wooden sticks had just sort of gone away and uh, we were working some of the brine plastic heads. But there was a lot of interest. Um, people that started coming out to practice for the team didn't really know how to play lacrosse. Uh, we didn't have uh, any money for coaching. Um, the maintenance people were gracious enough. We got them the designs for the goals, and they made goals for us, which was pretty kind of cool. 
uh, we actually had to practice on the field across from JB, which was just dirt. Um, this was before the field house. Uh, we got to play in the old uh, cage um, back when that was just, that was sort of the field house for the college. So um, it was interesting. Uh, we didn't have coaches. So I actually was sort of a player coach. So it was, it was kind of difficult to try and um, get people to focus on training after, you know, Thursday nights out, that kind of stuff. Um, so, you know, sometimes you're friends of the, uh, of your classmates, sometimes you're not. And then you, did you, obviously, I assume you played other schools at some points. Um, uh, how did that kind of go in terms of um, yeah, competition? Yeah, I was, uh, I um, got involved uh, with some of the people down at Bowdoin and UMass Amherst who had teams, uh, went down a couple of the meetings in Boston. We got on their schedules. Bowdoin was gracious enough to let us play their JV <laughs> team, which was probably not um, ill-advised. Uh, and we got uh, lined up with some schools like Nassau and um, some of the local Kent, the Kent school, because we just weren't on the radar screen to get into. Oh, we did go up to Colby uh, and we stayed overnight uh, in one of their frat houses. And I think they plied us beverages that made it more difficult the next morning. Um, but we, uh, we just sort of prevailed. Uh, the administration at the school um, saw that we were serious about it. And in uh, 76, uh, funded us with uh, some, some shirts and that kind of stuff. Actually, uh, that was 77, 78. So what we did is we ended up working with Mr. Hatch and they allowed us to use the old football jerseys as game jerseys. Okay. At least we had numbers. Right, right. The club started, sounds like, about your junior year. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So your first two years on campus, were you trying to get momentum going for it, or were you still adjusting to college? We didn't really think it was possible. I would say adjusting to college is probably more fruitful. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, we just did everything else. We did a lot of the intramural sports, um, just had a lot of fun on campus, and then we just started – Thinking about people started seeing the lacrosse sticks in the corner of the room and they say, well, what is that? Um, so we, a lot of it was education because these kids, um, classmates hadn't played lacrosse. But we had some wonderful people. And Shippen Bright, who was plus 78, and Mike Clotman uh, really sort of jumped in. And I think Shippen was the first captain when Webb um, mm -hmm. took over as varsity sport. So pretty cool. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. A few years after you graduated, you did become a varsity sport. As, as a young alum, were you excited for that? Or were you like, oh, man, I wish you had been varsity when I was there? Well, yeah, of course you wish you would, would yeah. have been varsity, but th that wasn't reality. And my brother, um, Peter, um, actually played the first year um, in class 78. So, um, so he was on the first year of varsity sports. So um, that was kind of fun to see that. And then when uh, son Kevin uh, went to Bates and uh, – played football and lacrosse and he ended up captains of both sports. Um, so that was really kind of cool because uh, he was the first son of an alumni to, to play. So, Oh, for the lacrosse team? For the lacrosse team, yeah. Oh, nice, nice. Yeah, so, so that was great. And I, um, up until this past year with COVID, we didn't do it, but uh, we and I usually go out and run three or four times up the field in the alumni game. That is an interesting thing because these kids nowadays are so big and so fast and so talented. They didn't even drag them across six because they were two years old. Um, and that just wasn't the case. So it's nice to watch them. Growing up, how did you first get involved with lacrosse? Uh, well, I had, uh, well, I played soccer 
at Needham High School. I had an older brother who played soccer. I wanted to play football um, dearly, but um, Vic Gatto, who ended up the football coach at the college, was the coach at Needham High School. He graduated from Needham High School, and he said, you know what, you're not, you're not big enough to get it. So I ended up having to play soccer. And in the spring, I wanted to do something because our family never got into baseball. So lacrosse became available my uh, sophomore year at Needham High School. We had a wonderful coach, Sean Bambury, and you just, you just sort of fell in love with it. Hard not to. So Vic went from the high school you graduated from to Bates around, sounds like around the same time almost, right? <laughs> yeah, he was, uh, well, he was, uh, he's a few years older than I am. He went to Harvard and he was uh, instrumental in the game. Great guy, great family. Um, and he was like a fire plug. I just, I was not as broad as he was, same height, um, but he was just an amazing athlete and I wasn't gifted like that. What was it like to see, I mean, what, what were your thoughts when Webb Harrison was the first coach? I know he was kind of learning this sport at the time, right? Just kind of learning it along with the players, sort of? Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, because nobody, no one knew. A funny, funny story is that uh, one of the things, uh, I guess it was class of 1976, the college um, allowed me to buy a book on how to coach lacrosse and lacrosse fundamentals. And I almost didn't get my diploma because – we realized at the end, when you, you know, you pack up all you're doing, everything goes in books. Well, I got a notice from the person's office that I owed $14.78 because I didn't return the book. And then I was not going to be able to get my diploma. Or panicked on that. Um, so I think I, what I had done is given it to web um, and saying, here, you might want this. But uh, I ended up getting my diploma and, and so it worked out fine. But Webb had to get up to speed pretty quickly. He had the physical discipline and sort of the um, administrative backing and contacts. So he was able to really sort of put it together. He did a great job. Excellent. Well, you touched on your son playing at Bates, um, both football and lacrosse. What was that experience like watching him kind of develop from, as you mentioned, a walk on to captain? Well, it was, uh, it was interesting. I mean, he's got the heart of a lion uh, and Cindy and I went to pretty much every game. I think we, the car ended up dying of cardiac failure uh, with 252,000 miles on it. I mean, we went all fall and uh, all four years, and we developed wonderful friendships with the, the Bates parents, uh, as did Kevin, and, and we also get together um, with them. But, it, I mean, just watching, again, the, the youth and the um, abilities of Kevin and all his friends to sort of come together as a team, um, that was really sort of the thing that I enjoyed about seeing the most because building those lifetime relationships um, that I still have. I still get together um, with some of the cross kids that we played with. Very different. Excellent. And well, any other thoughts you want to share about the origins of the cross program we haven't gotten to talk about yet? No, I think it was, uh, it's just, um, it's wonderful. It's uh, a great sport for everybody. Uh, you don't have to be uber talented. Um, you just sort of have to commit to your team. I think that's the biggest thing. And it's a life lesson with, with all of Bates. I mean, Bates is a team, whether it's sports or academics. Great. Jeff Helm, thank you so much for joining us here on the special reunion episode of the Bobcast. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Aaron. Have a great day. We conclude this special reunion episode of the Bobcast with Claudia Turner from the class of 1976. She came to Bates excited to play for a young field hockey program that had already developed a great reputation. She finished her time as a Bobcat as team captain of field hockey women's basketball, and a brand new Bates softball program. My sister went to Bates, and um, she knew I enjoyed sports. 
and she said, you know, Claudia, um, Bates has a really good field hockey team. You might want to consider um, Bates as a school. And uh, when I went to the um, interview, I think his name was Dave Wellborn. I'm not sure. And uh, all I asked him about was the field hockey team. I didn't even ask him about academics very well, uh, very much. And um, as it turns out, his sister, Marty, played on the, the field hockey team. So uh, he, he, was, he was very interested. I got accepted to Bates early decision and I didn't really apply anywhere else. Excellent. Well, you mentioned field hockey. So growing up, how did field hockey become, perhaps it sounds like your favorite sport. I don't know. You played three sports at Bates. I really enjoyed field hockey. I, I played um, varsity all four years in high school. And uh, so, so it was a kind of a high priority for me. Uh, maybe it was too much of a priority at Bates because I didn't study as much as I should have. But um, no, I really enjoyed it. And uh, when I first stepped on campus, one of the first things I did was go to the um, office of Sherry Yakawanis and uh, I asked her about the field hockey team and I had always played defense in high school and um, for some reason she put me on the um, forward line to play offense so I ended up playing right next to Marty Wellborn which was kind of interesting but um, I, I think my mindset was more of a defensive player so I went back to defense my sophomore year, which is when Priscilla Wild came in as a freshman. So I played center halfback right behind her. Well, you mentioned before we started the interview that Priscilla Wild was one of your best friends uh, at Bates, and she obviously still holds all a lot of records in Bates field hockey history. What made her such a great player? Not only was she, you know, very um, physically gifted as an athlete, her mindset was um, <laughs> very competitive, very, you know, she, she just had a nose for the goal. And um, I was very happy to go back to defense and support her because I, I knew if I passed her the ball, there was a good chance it was going to go in. And um, so, yeah, we, we, we clicked. And what made her such a good friend for you? Oh, she was that great mix of um, fun and mischief. <laughs> we, we had a good time. So you know, she was fun to be around. And what a lot of people don't know about her is she was a very good classical guitar player. It wasn't unusual to find her in the dorm playing, playing classical guitar. So um, she and I, you know, when um, we had some off time, uh, we would go into the gym and shoot basketballs. We'd, we'd run on the track. I mean, you know, we, we really were serious about our sports and uh, which was interesting because when I first went to Bates, Title IX wasn't fully implemented, and that created a lot of <laughs> bonding opportunities because um, we, we would always have to leave games um, immediately so we could make it back to the cafeteria to eat because they wouldn't pay for meals on the road very often. And um, there was one game, it was up at Presque Isle, so, you know, kind of a hike. Yeah. And um, the game had been delayed several times because there were a lot of injuries. And Sherry Akawana said, we got to get on the bus right away. You don't have time to shower. Then so um, we were all kind of hot and sweaty and get on the bus, race down uh, main turnpike. And we missed the cafeteria by 15 minutes and had to go back to our dorm and forage for food. 
it was fun times uh, in basketball. The uh, varsity men, JV men, and intramurals took precedence over the women. So we had to practice at 6 a.m. And, uh, you know, crossing the quad in the main winter at 6 a.m. was uh, it was a challenge. <laughs> yeah, I bet. Well, you mentioned um, Sherry Yakawanis uh, later became Sherry Deshane, but tell me a little bit about her as a coach. What was she like? Oh, she was a lot of fun. Um, and I know she, she took um, coaching courses in the summers because every fall, you know, she would kind of tell us um, about the things she learned and try to incorporate them into her coaching technique. And field hockey changed. Um, oh boy, I guess, I think it was between my sophomore and junior year. Usually you played five people in the forward line, three halfbacks, two fullbacks and a goalie. And they changed to what they called the link system, which was four people on the offensive line to what were called links players. Um, and they were between the um, forward line and the halfbacks. There were still three halfbacks. There was one sweeper, what they called sweeper, which would have usually been a fullback and then the goalie. So it was four, two, three, one, one, instead of five, three, two, one. And um, we, we were really fortunate, I think because Title IX hadn't been implemented, we were still able to attract really good players and compete with the larger state universities. And um, the other thing that was in our favor is Bowden went co-ed my freshman year. So one of the reasons I had no interest in Bowden was because they were just starting their women's sports program. Now they went on to become quite good, but the four years I was at Bates, we always beat Bowden, <laughs> which was great. Certainly. And then um, basketball, you had a few different coaches. Um, it was like you started with Maureen uh, LaChapelle and then uh, Sherry Yakawanis coached you for a year and also Gloria Crosby. Uh, mm -hmm. What was it like um, kind of going through different coaches with basketball? What was the experience like in kind of the, the basketball program been around since the late 60s, but still obviously, as you mentioned, early days of uh, post Title IX. You know, it's funny. I don't remember uh, Sherry Yakawanis as my basketball coach. I'm sure you're right. But well, it, I, said, it said your junior year, one year. I don't know. but Okay. <laughs> I, I do remember uh, Maureen LaChapelle, and um, she was good, but I would say Gloria Crosby brought in a whole different level of expertise because not only was she the coach, but she um, became the women's athletic director. And so she, she was able to push for things at higher levels. So, I mean, when she became our coach, all of a sudden we got a lot of the same um, amenities that the men had, like we got practice uh, uniforms that we could give them to launder, which was a big deal for us. And um, she really stepped up. I mean, you know, she brought in the whole aspect of weight training, which we didn't do before that. And she was actually encouraging people to pick one or two sports and not try to do three sports and, and focus on them. And um, so, uh, you know, I don't know how many three season athletes came after me. I'm sure there are some, but it, it wasn't that common to start with. And once she started instituting these training things that extended beyond um, a particular season, I think people did um, try to focus on one or two sports. 
But yeah, she, um, I think she was also on the Olympic team handball committee mm. and she tried to get a few of us interested in team handball. And then um, I remember there was a tournament we went to and she thought that we should be there for the whole tournament and not just show up when our games were. And I remember uh, a meeting with, I guess it was Robert Hatch and we were trying to make the case for participating the whole three days of the tournament, um, which would have been happening with the guys, you know, they would have gone for the whole weekend. So she finally um, convinced him. Um, we, we were all in the room together. I, because I was the captain, I had to say something, I'm sure, but I think it was her, her uh, impetus that uh, made it happen. The double edge of Title IX was at senior year, teams that we used to be able to compete with um, were blowing us out because they were giving scholarships to really good basketball players. Right, right. Well, we mentioned Gloria Crosby. The first year of varsity softball, Bates, was your senior year there, senior spring of 1976. Team went five and five there. Gloria Crosby was the first head coach before uh, Sherry Yakawanis took over the following year. But um, what do you remember about the start of the Bates softball program? I think we did play some games before senior year. Mm-hmm. Um with other schools, but yeah, it became a, an official sport senior year. And, um, <laughs> you know, there was, it was very mixed. It was uneven. There were some very good players. There were some players who were doing it for fun. And um, I remember when we played Plymouth State, we, we drove to some place and um, that was a really, it was a really good game. I think we lost, but it was a really good game. And I think we thought, well, you know, we can compete and, um, then people started taking it even more seriously. But I know we started training for softball in the uh, cage uh, because it was cold in, in Maine. And uh, I, there were a lot of field hockey games and a few softball games where it was snowing when we were playing. And uh, that was interesting. Another thing that was about field hockey, and I don't mean to jump around, but um, uh, when we played Bowden, and this would have been probably my junior year. Um, for some reason that game I was playing um, one of the side halfback positions and Joan Benoit Samuelson, who's a really good runner, was playing field hockey for Bowden. And I learned very quickly that I, I was going to have to play back on her because once she got the ball, she, she would leave me in the dust. And uh, so, yeah, I, that was funny to see her in the Olympics as a marathoner and uh, know that I had played field hockey against her. Right. right. Well, you all, you overlapped at Bates a little bit, I think by two years with Nancy Ingersoll. Uh, yes. Great Nordic skier, but she also played some field hockey. Did you overlap? She was, she was left wing and yeah. she was fast. She was very good. And uh, what was interesting with her is, you know, we'd have field hockey practice. We'd be going back to our dorm shower and go back, you know, to get something to eat for dinner and I would see Nancy Ingersoll running on the streets of Lewiston after field hockey practice. Yeah, she was she was a very dedicated athlete. Excellent. Well, um, you also wrote for the Bates student your senior year, at least, or I, maybe you wrote before also. I found an article where you wrote your senior year. But uh, tell me a little bit about how you were able to balance that also, writing, being uh, one of the sports editors and also playing three varsity sports. So much for impartiality of the, the press. <laughs> I think the... Uh, Field hockey, basketball, and uh, maybe softball got a little more press than the other sports did. 
but I remember it got me into trouble once because at Prescott game I mentioned to you, um, I I was a little negative about the the game. the The field wasn't straight. The referees were Prescott PE students, and um, it was a really rough game. We we had three players hurt, hmm. and um, so I I kind of wrote about that and said you know games that have never been played under these conditions, blah, blah, blah. Well, all my articles got posted on the bulletin board uh, in the girls' locker room, women's locker room. And uh, that year we hosted the um, playoffs, the tournament, state tournament. And all the Presque Isle players saw the article. And uh, they must have gotten really angry because um, they beat us. <laughs> Literal bulletin board material, I guess. For that. Yeah, yeah, bulletin board material, yeah. How did you get involved with the student? Did you always have a passion for sports writing or? Well, it, it's interesting because, you know, I, I wanted to be an English major because mm -hmm. I wanted to write. And um, but my father said, you know, you've, you've got to do a major where you can get a job afterwards. <laughs> and um, so I became a bio major. And um, after Bates, uh, when I, uh, you know, I went on to um, graduate school. And then I worked in the pharmaceutical industry for a long time, but I retired early uh, to take care of my parents. And um, I took writing courses at a writer's collective in Boston called Grub Street. And I ended up, um, I've written two books, I'm working on a third. So it was, just, it was a little delayed, but I did get back to writing, but the Bates student was able to um, help me, you know, explore that as something to do. Awesome. And then uh, just going back to some of your teammates, we talked about a couple of them, but any other uh, memorable teammates you wanted to mention from your time as a Bobcat? Any stories that stand out to you? Oh, well, um, I mean, well, like I said, in field hockey, we were really blessed with a lot of good players. Um, my freshman year, there was a woman named Karen Harris, who was excellent. And uh, she she became, a, I mean, every, everybody on this um, team became friends because we, we had this um, common challenge of, of, you know, trying to be as good as we could be, but not always having um, a lot of the same things that the guys got. And so I think it created a, a stronger bond between us. So Karen Harris was excellent. Um, and then, of course, uh, Priscilla Wild was a year after me. And there was another woman who came in that year named um, Sandy Corpella. And we called her Hoover because the fullbacks are the last line of defense before the goalie. And we knew that if it got past the halfback, Sandy would be able to uh, you know, swoop up the ball and get it back out. So uh, she was good. Then the following year, we got two more players, and I, I hope I'm not leaving too many people out, but one was named Allison Anderson, and she played, she and another woman, Betsy uh, Williams, um, I think they had both come out of private schools, as did Priscilla, and the private schools, you know, they started field hockey sooner uh, than most public schools did. And the four of them, Priscilla, Sandy, Betsy, and Allison were superb field hockey players. So I feel very uh, fortunate to have had the opportunity to play with all of them because they were they were really good. And I, I think Allison went on to coach field hockey and Betsy might have too um, uh, when they got out of Bates. So um, 
they were they were great. Nancy Ingersoll, you mentioned. Oh, and um, oh boy, what was her name? I want to say Candace Perry, Marge Savage, Mary Ellen Kelly. I mean, everybody was very very good. And you know, um, we won the Northeast tournament my senior year, and you know, we were playing a lot of really good schools. Yeah, your senior year, the field hockey team went 13-2-2, still probably, still is, I think, the most wins in one season in the field hockey program's history, so. Yeah, a great yeah they, it was a good team. It was a very good team. I was curious about um, any, like, stories from, like, you mentioned the Presque Isle road trip. Any other uh, road trips were, were interesting or, or funny things uh, happened? When we went to the state tournament for basketball. So this would have been my senior year. Mm -hmm. um, Gloria Crosby kind of tested the mettle of her players. And I remember sitting across from her, uh, by then they were giving us meals. And, um, and I was a team captain and I, I, not sure, I think she would have wanted to have the um, election under her watch rather than being me being elected the previous year. And um, so she, she had this mind game, I guess, where she would move a salt shaker towards you, but put it like in your space. And she would wait and see if you would put it back. <laughs> you know, like, would, would you defend your space? And, you know, people would do it in different ways. And I, I saw her do that and I didn't do it right away. And then she moved the pepper shaker and, and, and I thought, hmm, she's playing games with me. And so I picked them both up and I clunked them down in front of her. And I looked at her and just kind of glared and says, you passed. <laughs> um, no, but we, we had great times. People would, um, oh man, they would climb up in the luggage racks and hang down and try to scare Sherry Yakawanis. Yakawanis was totally illegal. We had a, we had a bus driver who, often drove us and we became really good friends with the bus driver. In fact, Priscilla and I once went with him to Freeport and we went bar hopping together, which was legal back then because drinking age was 18. But um, yeah, we, um, we had a lot of good times. Uh, I remember coming back from, um, I think it was a field hockey game and Billie Jean King was playing um, oh, the guy, you know, it was a big, big tennis Bobby, match, Bobby Riggs, Bobby Riggs, okay. Bobby Riggs. Yeah. and um, we listened to the whole match and screamed when she beat him, so that was kind of great, but um, that was a lot of fun. I, one of the most memorable things was field hockey was when the guys in JB would play the William Tell Overture uh, when our games began, and it was a real, like, psych-up tune, and, and uh, between the boys in JB and... Um, some of the guys on the outing club, they were, they were biggest fans for field hockey. Awesome. You were a captain for all three sports. Uh, what was that responsibility like for you? I guess main thing was to just make sure everybody on the team was clicking that there weren't any kind of uh, undercurrents that could get in the way, but you know, the, the people I played with were just so good. Everybody had the same, um, goal in mind, which was to win the state championship. And then my last few years do well at Northeast. 
And um, I think the first year we went, you could enter the Northeast tournament either as individuals playing on a team or as a team. And I think the, I might have this reversed, but the first year, I think we entered as individuals and Priscilla, of course, made Northeast one. And then the next year we entered as a team and won the tournament. One of the most fun thing is when um, we got uh, invited back for early field hockey and we played for like five field hockey games in two days. It was exhausting and it was hot because, you know, we'd come back before the rest of the school and those were really fun times. But um, with Gloria, we, um, I think this was the summer of my senior year, she invited Priscilla Wild, um, another woman named Suzanne Karen and I to uh, help her coach at this pine tree basketball camp up near uh, Colby. And uh, that was a really good time. There were a lot of kids who played basketball at other schools, bigger schools. And I probably learned more coaching there and was just sorry I couldn't have done that earlier because I, I learned so much I could have been a better basketball player. Any other thoughts you want to share about your time at Bates we haven't gotten to talk about yet? I guess in hindsight, I wish I'd been a better student, um, but it all worked out. You know, I ended up um, going on to graduate school and I was a little bit more serious then. So, uh, you know, I was able to get a good job and have a nice career. But I, I think with Bates, um, the camaraderie of uh, being on the sports teams was probably the highlight of my Bates experience. I mean, the friendships that I made uh, on the sports teams. In fact, um, you know, our class is having a virtual 45th reunion. And part of that, um, one of my other teammates, Ann Greenbaum, contacted me out of the blue. And I hadn't, I hadn't heard from her since we graduated from Bates. And um, as it turns out, she lives in the town next to me on the Cape. So when I go down there for the summer, we're going to um, get together and, you know, reminisce all about old times. So that'll be fun. Awesome. Claudia, thank you so much for joining us on the Bobcast and sharing some of these uh, memories and happy 45th reunion. And thanks again. Thank you, Aaron. Take care. With the summer months upon us, the Bobcast is taking a few weeks off, but we'll be back with more interviews of Bobcats past and present. So don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thanks for tuning in all year to the Bates Bobcast. Bobcast.